Welcome back to the Wannabe Hunting Podcast, and happy Labor Day if you're catching this on September 5th, on the day of release. We appreciate you tuning in today, and I just want to say thank you so much for following along and for listening today. I am really excited about today's episode. Today I'm joined by Chris Creed of Afflictor Broadheads, and broadheads are fascinating. I've watched, I don't know how many broadhead reviews on YouTube, and uh, just um, read articles, uh, on the internet and interesting stuff. So, um, with all that said, um, Afflictor is the broadhead that I chose, that I've chosen to run, um, well prior to talking to Chris or anyone else at Afflictor and, um, talking to him just, uh, made me feel even better about my decision. Great, uh, great guy, great company and some great broadheads, and you'll hear him talk about the benefits of of their design. Um, There's a bunch out there. There's a bunch that are good, and he even alludes to the fact that um, there are certain bows and people that may may need to run something other than Afflictor, which, you know, you won't hear too many uh, people say that, but who run a company. But they really just want to get you something that's going to work, so when you go to the woods, uh, you're going to come back with uh, with a, with a nice clean and uh, quick harvest. So that's the plan. And, uh, I appreciate him taking the time to explain some things. We, uh, dive into all kind of good stuff. We talked a little bit about the heavy arrow craze and, uh, the fact that maybe, maybe balance is something to consider as well. Although, uh, both of us agree if it works for you, shoot whatever you want. So anyway, um, we'll see. I'm sure some people will disagree with us, but, uh, one way or the other, but that's okay. Anyway, um, appreciate Chris joining me. I just enjoyed this episode so much. Hope you guys enjoy listening. And as always, we're brought to you by Anabolic Grow. I really appreciate the guys over there. And you can jump back to episode 27 that I did with uh, Todd Karen of Anabolic Grow, and you can find all the details of how that works. Um, It's a naturally uh, occurring, uh, I think it's a microbial or enzymes or something like that. They can get into the scientific stuff here's the thing it's going to help your food plots uh turn out better uh, you're going to get higher yields and uh it's going to be better tasting for the deer all that good stuff might keep them off the neighbors you know that's the idea and uh you can always use wannabe hunting 10 to get a little discount there but i think they've got some labor day uh, sale type stuff going on as well so check out anabolic grow that's gro.com and uh, appreciate them uh, sponsoring as always appreciate you listening as always let's jump into this episode with chris creed of afflictor broadheads yeah i thought the wannabe thing really fit me you know it's just funny starting a podcast being such a new hunter but i was like you know i think it can identify with a lot of people you know whether you've been hunting for five days or 50 years you're sitting in the office today probably wanting to be hunting so it kind of kind of felt like it touched the nerve there yeah, I, I agree. And kudos to you for starting a bro, uh, podcast as a, a new hunter. I mean, that's just, uh, I think that that's awesome. I, it, it's so hard for new hunters to get the right information anymore. If they're, if they're looking in the wrong spots like social media and stuff, they can really get on the wrong trail quick. So uh, I applaud you for doing this. Well, I appreciate it. And that was part of my motivation to do it was um, education for myself. And my thought was I can 
share that through the podcast and, uh, you know, help some people who are in the same boat, you know, whether they're a little, little newer or a little farther along, still sure. some good information out. So sure. That's great. Cool, man. Well, um, we've kind of already jumped into it, but I, I want to uh, give you a chance to uh, introduce everyone uh, or introduce yourself to everyone. Sure. And uh, then we'll kind of dive into a few of the things that I mentioned uh, mentioned yesterday. Yeah, no problem. Well, uh, my name's Chris, and uh, I've been in the industry for just over 20 years. Uh, worn a lot of hats in the industry, been able to work with a lot of um, great uh, companies uh, in those 20 years. Um, during that time, a uh, partner and I also started our own business in the industry selling products. And we thought, well, it'd be a great idea if we would just add other products to what we were doing. And so we kind of developed our own little rep group and ran around for a few years and decided that that wasn't the hot ticket either. Um, so we just started independently contracting for companies that needed direct help with uh, anything from design, uh, research, patents, uh, bringing a product from the, you know, the cutting room floor all the way to Bass Pro. So we kind of just specialize catering uh, in products. Um, before mm -hmm. before that, all my background was medical, but during all of my time working in the medical field, I couldn't wait to get out of it. Um, <laughs> I was burned out and worn out. And, and, and my background from my youth is I've, I mean, I've been blessed to be an outdoors kid from the very beginning. My whole family um, hunted and fished. Uh, my grandfather went through the depression. They supplied their family, sustained them through the depression by hunting and fishing. And those values never left. I mean, in fact, my mom is a is a hunter, and my dad is a hunter. My my mom can outshoot just about anybody on the in the family with her 410 on a running rabbit. Um, you know, so I've been been very fortunate. I was one of those kids. You know, I had a 22 and a 410 by five. Um, the backside to that is. I can't even tell you how to keep score in a football game. I have no, I have no idea. I've, I've never been an organized sports guy. Um, but you know, you want to know the, the breeding cycle of a dragonfly nymph or something stupid like that, that useless trivia. That's, that's where I thrive. <laughs> that's super cool. And, uh, I'm down here in, uh, sec country. So I'm, uh, I'm pretty big on football, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. You're you're allowed to be. <laughs> I appreciate that. Played, believe it or not, you wouldn't know it looking at my uh, my full, you know, five eight and three quarters frame. But I did play basketball in high school, so um, you awesome. know. I <laughs> I enjoy that, but that's good. Um, I, I enjoyed sports when my kids played them. When, the, when my son was a big basketball person, my daughter was a volleyball person. I loved it. But outside of that, I don't have any interest. I mean, our, our daily routine here outside of work is the outdoors. Our vacations all revolve around hunting and fishing. We are 80% self-sustaining here. So we are constantly putting up canning, freezing. Um, we even pressure can fish and turtle and venison and bear and whatever else we can get. So we're constantly in a flux here at my house of putting something up and so even right now the counter is full of plums and grapes so tonight's project after work is grape jelly plum jam and my wife promised me a grape pie so i'm excited about that nice that is super <laughs> cool uh, that's something like um i was talking to a guy monday 
and um, doing a podcast. And I was saying, you know, I only have a couple packages of ground venison left. And uh, we're we're a few weeks out from season here. And it's like, I'm thinking, all right, you know, I need at least two deer and maybe three. And, uh, you know, it, it interests me that, like from canning vegetables and, you know, the smallest garden, smallest raised bed you could imagine this year. <laughs> but, you know, fantastic to make a few things with uh, some banana peppers and some tomatoes that we grew. And so I'm I'm wanting to go more that way. I, 80%, I would have a long way to go, but uh, <laughs> I'm looking to provide, you know, let's, let's work on the meat for hunting and yes. uh, we'll, we'll see how the garden goes uh, next spring maybe. But uh, that's awesome, man. I, that's just so cool to me. Yeah, it's fun. I, I mean, when my kids were at home, we just, our, our last one just left the nest here uh, two months ago. But when both were here, we needed 18 deer a year to get through the year. That's how many deer that we process just, just for us. Um, wow. That's we, great. We, and we do all of our own stuff here. All of our friends come over when they get deer and we have a good time, make a big deal out of cutting them up and, you know, it's another social event. That's cool. That's awesome. My, my kids are three and one. And, uh, so they've, you know, got a little smaller appetite than teenagers, but, uh, <laughs> uh pretty cool to see them you know just going to town on like some uh you know venison meatloaf or uh grilled wild turkey or something mm, yes sir very rewarding so that's cool yes it is good stuff that's awesome man well uh not can considering the rabbit oh, I got <laughs> talk about afflictor broadheads and uh <laughs> stuff. um you know i saw afflictor i'm like a you know, a serial John Lusk video brought mm. you watcher, you know, just no matter what it is. And, um, afflictor looked cool to me. The hybrid idea makes sense in my mind. Um, mm -hmm. you know, like I mentioned to you a couple of years ago, never taking an animal with a bow new to this bow hunting, new to hunting in general, but just, it, it made sense. Kind of the design, the rear deploying, the hybrid, just, I was following, you know, logically, I guess, or whatever. Um, sure. And then, like I said, from the reviews I had read and seen, you know, seemed like good, uh, good quality, durability, that type of thing. So that's kind of how I, you know, started following along. Um, you know, this was pre, pre the original Instagram account hacking. Mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> but you know, before all that, you know, started following along with you guys, had some encouragement from, uh, Alex Romando and, um, you know, oh, yes. rides, you know, yes. and got them through target and they fly great and everything. But I was like, you know, surely info out here on this. So let's, let's go to the people doing it. So that's how, that's how, uh, this conversation came about. So if you could kind of just introduce us to afflictor or anything, uh, there that I mentioned that you want to comment on. Yeah, sure. Well, Flickr was birthed out of the genius of a guy named Keith Powell out of Terrell, Texas. And um, he's been a, an avid hunter all over the world for years. He was the owner of uh, Sportsman's of North America. Some of your older guests will remember that. That was a TV show from yesteryears that gave away a hunt a week. It was extremely popular. Um, and because uh, his uh, being out everywhere, hunting everywhere, he was starting to get really disappointed 
um, at that time in mechanicals and the failure rate they were having with the mechanicals of that day and age. And so he wanted to develop something different. So he set to work and after uh, you know a long time, a lot of testing, he came up with this rear deploying uh, broadhead that was activated by a drive key which also um, is a bleeder blade. And so what we got was a hybrid that was very low profile, closed, five-eighths in diameter. But the second the drive keys activated and comes back, the blades are deployed from the rear. And the key to the whole thing is those blades are now locked open. So at entrance, what happens is the drive keys activated first, and now you basically have a locked fixed blade at entrance. So there's no energy loss, there's no band to cut, there's no O-ring over the blades, there's nothing that's going to take your energy away from the most important thing that you have to have with any broadhead, and that's momentum. You have to have the ability to pull your broadhead through your animal no matter what broadhead that is. So the consideration is always, you know, these guys are shooting gigantic cut broadheads or broadheads that require a lot of energy, but they may not have the right arrow weight. They may not have the right design and they have failures because of that. And it's not necessarily the broadhead's fault. A lot of times it's the archer and the setup. So Keith wanted to eliminate all of that and that's how Afflictor got birthed. And his first two designs were the K2 Hybrid and the Hybrid EXT. Uh, the difference was the original K2 is an inch and three quarter cut and the Hybrid EXT was an inch and a half. And both of those started the whole thing and it was a, you know, a success out the door, making them in a small shop um, right next to his house. And that was the birth of Afflictor. That's pretty cool. Very yeah. Yeah, and that's, you know, not that that's the only broadhead company started by, um, you know, a very experienced longtime hunter, but it is kind of cool that it was somebody with, you know, through his show and through hunting all over the world or whatever, mm -hmm. someone with experience in a lot of different circumstances doing that design. Right. Um, you know, I, I'm no artist, but, you know, I could draw up some kind of broadhead design. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I Me too. <laughs> Like I said earlier, you know, I've watched a ton of broadhead reviews and it's like, you can put any shape you want on that thing, throw it out there. It might work, you know, mm -hmm. that's right. But, and you know, and you know, what's funny, it's been, it's been seven years ago now, but I was at ATA with another company at the time, seven years ago, and they introduced me to Keith and, and he came to me and says, Hey, I have this hybrid design broadhead. It's awesome. I hear you can really help me get it off the ground. And is this something you'd be interested in? He shows me the broadhead. I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. I'm not interested. He says, well, what do you mean? I said, it's, it's, it's a mechanical. It has things that move. It can fail. It's not, I don't, I don't do anything mechanical because at that time, I too had had you know, a lot of experience with different television shows. I had worked with other broadhead companies. I had worked with shows with different broadhead sponsors. And at that time, I hated mechanicals. I mean, I didn't want anything to do with them. If I did a seminar or a talk, I was the guy preaching fixed blades only. You're making a huge mistake to try a mechanical. That was my mindset. So when I first saw this design, I said the same thing. I'm not interested. Well, during that day, he came back to me three times. He's like, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm not. This is something I don't even want to touch. I'm a fixed blade guy. He says, well, I'm going to send you some. So I got home and a couple of days later, these 10 
hybrid broadheads show up, then I thought, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a jerk here. So I took out graph paper, I took out my scale, I took them apart, I weighed every part, I weighed every broadhead, wrote it all down, and, and I couldn't find anything wrong on that end. So I thought, well, I'm gonna go outside. So I took my recurve and my compound outside and I started shooting. And the more I tried to hate them, the more I fell in love with them because they out-penetrated every broadhead I had in my arsenal out of the recurve and the compound, and sometimes by more than twice as much. And so as I continued my testing, I'm trying to hate these broadheads because they move, right? Even though they're a hybrid, they move. And I'm falling in love with them. And by the time I was done tested, I called Keith up and I said, um, I'm in and I'm willing to drop everything that I'm doing to make this happen. I was, I was just an instant believer because of that design and what I proved it out in the backyard. Uh, I was instantly in love and it kind of changed my whole perspective back to, okay, moving parts might be okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, at first I didn't like them and now I would never even think about shooting anything else. Yeah, that's a pretty cool story. Um, you know, pretty uh, you know, convincing, I guess, if you're if you're, you know, considering afflictors or any broadhead, you know, the fact that one, it shows the importance of giving something to try. Mm. Uh, you know, testing out on your own, seeing how they fly, seeing how they cut, you know, on your own. But, you know, beyond that, specifically to afflictor, it's pretty cool to see how they literally changed your mind. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, and you you hit it on the head. Uh, you know, it's it's dangerous. I think for a lot of new hunters to only, you know, maybe they're following somebody they like on TV or on social media, and they kind of hone in on that one person and their experience, and they tend to take that for gospel instead of doing some research and trying some other things and and really learning that your bow, no matter what it is, has its own appetite. So nobody's bow is exactly the same. Nobody's arrow build is exactly the same. Nobody's draw length. All those factors don't ever equal identical situations. So I always tell people it's imperative. And, you know, we preach on our side, there's a lot of great broadheads out there. And if you shoot a flicker, great. But if you're going to shoot somebody else, just make sure it's the right broadhead for you just as much as you would make, you know, make sure a flicker is right for you. Um, John Lusk does do a great job. I mean, he puts them through enough, you know, different scenarios that you can look at, you know, now tons of different broadheads and get a good idea and start to narrow it down to what's important to you. Um, so I think it, you know, there's a lot of validity in, in making sure that you have checked out and investigated everything that, you know, appeals to you, but also is correct for your setup. Right. Yeah. And that makes total sense. And kind of with all that said, um, I want you to kind of talk a little bit about the offerings from, a, you know, you first tried those K2s and EXTs, you know, mm -hmm. basically hybrid model. And, uh, you know, now there's multiple hybrid models and fixed models as well. So just kind of want to give you a chance to, you know, go into to what y'all have. And um, like, it, like I said, when I messaged you the other day, just anything you want to kind of go into with whether it be design. I mean, uh, this is interesting to me. We'll see if it's interesting to folks listening. But uh. 
Well, yeah, we do. I mean, we do have an array of hybrids and a lot of, you know, the main differences are the two tips. So we have a wide angled K2 tip. So everything that's on our K2 platform has that wider tip. If it has an EXT in the name, then it's using our narrow angle tip. Now, when we first developed that narrow angle tip, the idea was, okay, well, this steeper angle is going to penetrate more. But what we found in most of our testing is that's not always true. Most of the time, they're pretty equal, um, depending on, you know, the media that you're shooting through. So what it really boils down to in our line is personal preference. So you have your bigger cut broadheads like the, uh, the original K2 hybrid with the wide tip. And we also put the narrow tip on that same broadhead and that's the hybrid X. So you have those two broadheads are our biggest cut, but you have your choice of tip, but it's mostly personal preference because both of those penetrate nearly the same. Like if we say in ballistic gel, um, after that, we have our hybrid EXT, which is our original uh, narrow angled continuous blade angle inch and a half cut. Real popular that inch and a half cut um, for a lot of big game hunters, elk, moose and such, because that inch and a half seems to be a sweet spot for penetration on larger game uh, for, for a typical arrow setup. Uh, then we developed the minis and the idea behind the minis was we wanted to be able to have a little bit shorter of a ferrule so we could offer more weight options. So when you look at our original line, you're looking at only 100 and 125 grain availability. But when you look at our minis, like the K2 mini and Hybrid X mini, those go from 100, 125, 150, 175, and 200 grains. So for the guy that wants a hybrid option and wants to really have a lot of FOC or, you know, really be weight forward, you know, we want to be able to provide that. Even some you know, companies will flat out say, you know, 150 grains is the broadhead that you should be the way you should be shooting on your setup. Um, after that, we developed the fixed, which has been phenomenal for us. Our fixed line is, is in my opinion, anyway, is special. Uh, we developed the fixed EXT, which is our steep angle inch and a quarter cut with a bleeder. And that has been from Africa to Alaska, killed everything. It's extremely popular. And then our K2 fix is one that is super, super special because it's an inch and an eighth and the secondary blade is a full inch, but it has shoulders on it. So what that does is it makes a 20 gauge slug hole wherever it goes and it flies amazingly because of its profile so we're finding the guys not only with recurves and compounds loving that k2 fixed but even the highest speed crossbow guys these guys that are now 500 feet per second and faster are in love with that because it's flying great out of their high speed crossbows and it's super durable because those blades are almost 60 thousandths thick. So it's a very tough broadhead. It's got a lot of reusability to it if you want to sharpen it. So in a nutshell, that's kind of the lineup uh, all the way down. Um, and so, you know, we have the, the hybrid models. They're all, like I said, they all function the same. They're all drive key activated. And then we have those two fixed and both of those fixed are also available from 100 to 200 grains. And so again, you know, the crossbows, there's crossbow companies that recommend, you know, you need, really need to shoot a 150 grain broadhead on your bolt. We wanted to make sure we were able to offer those heavy weights as well. So it's worked out 
uh, extremely well for us across the whole line. And, you know, we're still a small company. You know, we have our own facility. Uh, we make um, everything in our shop in Terrell, Texas. And it's a nice little building. It's got several stations set up for building. And as we get parts, they are assembled in-house one at a time. Every part is inspected before the build. Um, after they're built, um, they are spin tested. We weigh them. They're packaged according to similar weight. And um, <clears throat> then we package and ship ourselves. So every single broadhead from start to finish happens in our own hands, which allows us not only to control the, the quality side of it, but also uh, to give the best customer service we can. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I've had great experience. Um, I've ordered a few, a few sets now and, uh, you know, good on shipping and you know everything um never had any issues with quality myself like i said i'm i'm not necessarily um you know busting out a uh you know a little measuring thing for the blades or whatever can't think of the word um anyway but you know like as far as, as far as you know in hand you know looking at them close and everything the quality is definitely you know fantastic from my my perspective so that's oh, all awesome. good thank you yeah and it's cool. Um, I like, there's a lot of offering, you know, I've scrolled the website before and you see a bunch of broadheads offered. Um, it's kind of interesting that it's really kind of going off of the K2 and the EXT. Like those are mm -hmm. kind of two, you know, frames or whatever you want to call it. You know, it starts from there. Yes. But then there's a lot of different uh, things you can do between the mini and the regular and the hybrid and the fixed. Yeah, there is. It gave us a lot of options. And what was interesting is, you know, we're one of the few companies that can interchange all of our parts. And so that makes it really cool to be able to, you know, to, to broaden our selection because of that. Um, it, it, you know, sometimes it's a pain in the neck to have so many SKUs, but since we're consumer direct only um, at the moment, it's, it's nice. You know, if you get back into the retail um, sector, then having all those SKUs sometimes can be a real pain in the neck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I mean, I can sort of imagine I've never, uh, never gone gone through all that but i can only imagine so that's that's cool um i wanted to ask you kind of about you know i, I call it the heavy arrow craze or whatever um <laughs> adult arrows <laughs> <laughs> exactly and the way uh, let me tell you this which you can tell me i'm 100 percent wrong whatever you want to say but let me say this going into it i'm not i'm not anti dr ashby or I don't bash the ranch ferry or whatever. That's not, that's not my deal. But I pull about 60 pounds, 28 inches. There's no chance I'm trying to run a 650 grain arrow. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, no chance. Um, <laughs> so I guess my point on not being an experienced bow hunter, not knowing, you know, I've never done tournament archery. I'm not an expert, but just looking at, everything you can find with you know the good old internet research i'm thinking there's got to be balance somewhere along the way and and i've looked at my recent arrow builds i'm you know making them myself and they come out slightly heavy for what you know what some people might have for my draw but i mean nowhere like you know still like sub 500 grains but yeah anyway um <laughs> just there's kinda... nothing there's nothing wrong with that yeah, I just want to kind of get because 
pulls my strings. He said, you know, go up one spine, run a little bit more weight, you know, that type of thing. I was like, okay, cool. And he's a super nice guy, nothing crazy. He's not advising me to do anything, you know, run a 200, you know, grain broadhead or anything with my setup. But, you know, he said, yeah, run a little bit more up there. And current arrows I have actually already have a 55 grain insert. So I really only needed 100 grain heads, but still kind of, you know, gives me some, you know, some good weight up front and everything. That's, that's all cool. But, uh, you know, it's like, it's come to a point, you know, like I said, on the old internet where it's like, you've either got to be in the heavy arrow camp or the light arrow camp. <laughs> and I watched your video on YouTube and it made a lot of sense to me because it was more along my way of thinking, like, surely there's a balance here. Yeah. Yeah. There's a balance. And I, the first thing that you have to consider is what are you hunting and how are you hunt, hunting it? So if you look at Ashby's research, which is, it is excellent research, but it is on African game on the actual animal with super heavy stuff that can't be duplicated again, unless somebody goes to Africa and does it based on all of our, anything that's changed since he did that original test. Now, I'm not saying that there's bad information there because there isn't, that's good. It is good information. But again, that may not all be applicable to the guy shooting a whitetail out of his tree stand at 15 yards. Um, right. In fact, it's not. Uh, I, there is always a point in time where you've had too much of a good thing. FOC is important. You should, you should consider it because momentum is the key to the whole deal. Momentum overrules everything else because that is the factor that pulls your broadhead through your animal, allows it to tackle bone and keep on go- and keep on going. So that is the key factor. When you are looking at a super heavy arrow, you are slowly losing something, even though you may be gaining momentum you are definitely losing speed at a faster rate. So now if you're an out west elk guy and you want to take an 80 yard shot on an elk and you have a 700 grain arrow, my goodness, you better have practiced that shot and that elk better not move. <laughs> right? Because there's too much that can go wrong. If you're shooting, yeah, if you're shooting rainbows, anything can happen. I mean, um, at 20 yards, a whitetail can duck your perfectly placed arrow if you didn't compensate for it and so the further your distance goes from an animal and the more wary that animal is the higher your chance of him bellying out before your arrow gets there so the advantage to heavy arrow yes you are going to increase your momentum but you can get to a point to where you're going backwards as as how i've always how it's always proved out for me anyway. If you wanna look at FOC percentages, there's you'll see anything generally recommended between 10 and 15%. I like to be right in that 13% range for me and my setups. I think that's very adequate. And I can, I can do that with an arrow under 500 grains, no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because and Dr. Ashby, I think, is 19 or better percent that he's recommending. And again, there's nothing wrong for that if that's suited for the game and the distances that you're hunting. But for the average guy shooting whitetail, shooting turkeys, um, 
I don't feel that it's necessary to sacrifice that speed um, to gain that momentum when you don't really have to have it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense to me. And I can't remember all the numbers. I, I dove deep one day and I was on one of those uh, calculators. Hmm. And I just played with it until momentum and kinetic energy were like, were after a certain point. Yes. Wasn't as heavy as what you've been recommended if you've watched. <laughs> yes. Arrow stuff. So I was like, hmm, you know, like I said, not knowing anything, not having a bunch of deer on the wall. I'm just thinking to myself, something here isn't adding up. Right. Numbers right. Are going down and I'm a hundred grains below what's mm-hmm. being recommended. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's very true for most people's setup in, in, you know, for me, uh, you know, if you've got your, your arrow right and your setup and your arrows turned to your bow tuned to your bow and your bows in tune then from the testing that i've done with most broadheads you know that 450 grain mark seems to be a real ideal weight for just about anything the problem is is your broadhead choice now becomes an issue so let's say you have the perfect arrow set up everything's tuned you've done all your whatever paper walk back tuning however whatever you want to do and you're satisfied and then you're still a bit on the light side but then you go ahead and you decide you're going to shoot a two and a half inch mechanical broadhead that has to open as it's going into your animal for me that situation spells disaster because now do you have enough momentum to get those blades to open and once they're open are you going to continue with enough energy to be able to get your pass through and this is what i tell people a lot in 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 seminars and different times that i'm lecturing imagine running through the woods with your arms crossed on your chest and then run through that same woods or brush with your arms wide out you have a higher chance of getting slowed down hitting something coming into contact with something. And that's the same thing with your broadhead. If you're shooting an inch and a half broadhead, it's got that resistance on both sides. The farther you spread your wings, the more resistance you have on the end of those wings and the more momentum is required to get the penetration. So I think everybody's into this giant cut craze. I think that's where most people go wrong but it is the time where those heavy arrows will shine because it does provide what those large cuts need. Okay. No, that's a cool way of looking at it. And like you said, running through some thick woods with your arms crossed or your arms out. That's a good, you know, mental picture, I guess. But, and that's true too. Like you said, with bigger and bigger cuts on mechanicals, which, you know, in theory, I'm not against, you know, big cut is good (laughs) in a lot of ways, but you're also, everything has a plus and a minus, uh, you know, as far as that goes. So, um, you know, it does, you hit that two inch mark, the whole game changes. So when we've tested broadheads from one inch all the way to three inch, and I hate to say it, but we've even tested stuff that's four inch where you have a, secondary blade that might be at the end of your ins you know your insert 
you know, where people have put those big uh, secondary blades back behind their broadhead. Yep. You get up into that stuff. Um, it's disastrous if you're not set up right. That, that those will steer themselves different ways through the animal. They won't deploy. They won't penetrate. Um, if you hit a shoulder, you know, if you hit a scapula, they'll just bounce. Uh, so you really, you know, when you're studying what you want to do for yourself, you just have to consider what am I hunting? How far am I going to be? And what do I really need to, to do the job most efficiently? Yeah. Makes sense to me. I think, uh, I think that covers that. I'm sure some people will, uh, disagree and possibly let us know, but you know, oh, sure. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what makes all this so much fun right i mean everybody's everybody's got an opinion and just like broadheads there's a a ton of great ones out there and everybody has an opinion on what's best and you know my thing on what's best is if it's best for you because you've tested it you used it it works great in your setup that's awesome if it's best for you because somebody's sending you pre free product or showing you off on their site because you bought their stuff and it's not really the best for you, then that's where I start to have problems because that's when guys, you know, that are new and, and girls for that matter and youth look up to some of these people and they're just selling a, a product. Um, and that's what's most important to them is, you know, there's a little bit of fortune and glory involved. Um, and for me, like I said, somebody calls here um, I, I'll recommend another broadhead if I think that their setup is best suited for it or in their mind they want something bigger or better. I have no problem with that because we we all need to really stick together in this industry. Um, you know, it's getting with hunting regulations and, and the crazies out there, it's going to get harder and harder and we need to be a united front. And so I think there needs to be a, a lot less sticking your chest out and a lot more just helping each other and helping the youth and helping new hunters with solid information. And for us, I'm, I'm privileged and blessed to, to work for a guy that we customer service and people and the game they're hunting is more important than our sales. And that's why I've stuck with Afflictor. That's why they are my only client. And I'll be with them forever because, you know, I, it just allows me to work on a super honest, super true platform with a product that's proven and works great. And I can sleep good at night. I like that. Yeah, no doubt. That's awesome to hear. And, um, you know, I, I love that, you know, doing a podcast, um, you know, there's all kind of TV shows and I'm not against sponsors or people that have sponsors but to your point when it's more about selling the product than it is actually giving information recommending what may or may not work for for other people you know there's a there's definitely a line there so right totally yeah totally yeah there there is and if a guy calls and he's adamant that he wants a two-inch mechanical we don't have that I've tested most all of them. I'm happy to tell him which ones I like the best and then send them to John Luck, Lust's YouTube. <laughs> yeah. You want to spend some money projects, check these out. That's right. That's right. Oh, that's cool. There's a lot of them that look cool. So. Yeah, there is. There is. And perform well, depending on, you know, the situation. So 
That's very true. It's all about what what do you want? Do you want a, something that's more durable, something that's more dependable, something that flies great long distance, something that has a big cut? I mean, something that leaves a coring hole. But the list is endless. Yeah, that's cool, man. And and you know, I'm never gonna not buy a broadhead because it explodes going into a cinder block. But you know, it's right. nice what it'll do in certain situations <laughs> sure sure it is yeah and then you, well, you always get the comments i'm not hunting cinder blocks you know that's, of that's course. yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not hunting ballistics gel yeah right right and i i hate ballistic gel i mean it's a nice metric and we use it for different things but you know it is if you're comparing all of your results in ballistic gel, then you can get a real accurate metric using it. But just to go out and shoot into it, um, all it tells us is where did your broadhead open in the position of the gel and, and the wound channel that it cut. That's about it. Because when you shoot ballistic gel, the first thing it does is it closes right around your arrow shaft and creates drag no matter what broadheads you have. Um, and so I don't know. We use it for certain things, but it's it's definitely not my favorite test. <laughs> yep. Yeah, this is one on the list. But yeah. Uh, anyway, I appreciate you kind of going into all that. Um, you know, I I think you know good information, especially for people to consider if they've been you know just hammered down on one side or the other. You know, at least that gives kind of an objective look. Is hey, consider what you're if you're hunting a rhinoceros. You know what? go 750 i mean you know i don't know <laughs> but well, sure your african <laughs> outfitter will tell you look you can't come here without a 650 grain arrow with a fixed blade single bevel some of them are just like that and yeah. so you oh. know you, you definitely listen to your outfitter but um you're right there's no it i mean it, you know guys will say well if it'll take out a rhinoceros and i know it'll take out a white tail well sure sure it will <laughs> through both shoulders probably um but uh is it necessary i mean because guys really the, the, the uh, archery should be fun hunting should be fun and people start to stress out about this and it gets closer to season and they get more stress and our phone lights up and do i have the right this is my arrow heavy enough do i have the right foc and and uh, you know i get the details and help them out but mostly just take a deep breath and enjoy this whole process when when, the, when it's no longer fun then it's not worth it anymore <laughs> yeah. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it is supposed to be fun. So <laughs> at least the way I look at it. Yes. That's cool, man. Hey, I, I can't have you on without asking what your uh, fall hunting plans are. You, you know, I know <laughs> y'all probably work a lot. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Um, and I'll say this for anybody who thinks that working in the hunting and fishing industry or the TV industry is glamorous and awesome. Um, if you're on this side of it where you're in the manufacturing, sales and marketing, you don't get to hunt because your busiest seasons are during hunting season. So uh, I'm a turkey nut. So thankfully, turkey season for me uh, in the spring is, is our calmest season. And so I do turkey hunt nonstop. I, I enjoy that. As when fall rolls around, like as of three weeks ago, 
the phones are off the hook, all of our comments from YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, social media, websites, it just goes up 200, 500% and it's just nonstop. So I cross my fingers and hope that I can get out. But another blessing for me is I can walk right out my backyard and walk you know, 400 yards and be in my tree stand. So that usually is my plan. Um, I did draw a doe doe tag and uh, have a buck tag for PA. So I'll be headed there, hopefully, um, for a day or two. Other than that, brother, I'll be working my butt off. (laughs) I got you. That's the must be nice to be in the right <laughs> yeah yeah right it's all it's all glorious well it just kind of keeps the lights on <laughs> yeah. you know if you're not uh if you're not waddell or somebody else that actually gets to travel and hunt and do whatever because that's what you do for a living uh the industry can be a tough place yeah yeah there's a few guys kind of at the top of that food chain that uh, it probably is pretty nice but yeah i'm sure but, but they worked that they worked to get there so yeah they sure did they sure did anyway that's cool man well um, at least you get to go turkey hunting do you um since you mentioned that um and you're with afflicted broadheads do you aim for like vitals or head where do you aim on a turkey when you're bow hunting well uh on our youtube channel are two turkey video shop placement one of them i use a turkey uh, mounted turkey and the other one i do a complete dissection I show you the organs, the placement. I lift the feathers, pull them back down, show you the wing placement and everything. Because when it comes to the turkey, the vitals are high. And there's a, a you know, turkeys kind of have a low percentage for archery harvest because, you know, people kind of shoot them center mass or a little bit low and there's nothing there. That's all breast meat. So you really have to be a little higher where that wing joint type area is, that little divot on the side of the turkey. Uh, you know, that spot is where the vitals really are. But my two favorite shots on turkeys with archery is when they, my, my prime favorite is facing away from me, full fan, and shoot them right up the pie hole. They are <laughs> going to, they will drop right there. I mean, and plus with their fan, open they can't see you draw their eyes are totally hidden from you and the other shot is facing you right right in the beard right above the beard and they drop on that shot too so those are my two favorite okay cool no i appreciate that i'll have to uh maybe watch those videos before uh next spring yeah they're fun and hopefully by next spring just to let your i mean this hasn't even been announced and i don't know that we'll be able to pull it off yet or not but we are working on a turkey decapitation broadhead um, oh, wow. so you can do the head and neck shots with an afflictor so that's something that's being worked on cross your fingers you might be able to see that this spring okay cool well my next question was you know if you wanted to launch any new products on uh on the podcast here so uh yeah that's that's one of them and then we have <laughs> two more um that are in uh process right now they both just finalized their testing and we're working on manufacturing cool well chris i appreciate you uh fighting through some technical difficulties and uh joining me for a little while today i've, I've enjoyed uh, talking with you getting to know you a little better and afflict her a little better and um without a bunch of experience or animals killed i you know I'm as happy as ever to have afflictors on my arrows this year. Oh, wonderful. Well, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. And, uh, hey, I wish you a lot of luck. And I uh, will be praying that you get to run your 
your first arrow through your first whitetail. Thank you so much for listening to the Wannabe Hunting Podcast today. If you're not, please do follow along with us on Instagram at Wannabe Hunting Podcast. That's where you can stay most up to date with what we have going on. And I do want to say thank you so much to Chris for coming on. Um, really appreciate him and um, some exciting things upcoming for Afflictor. And uh, keep an eye on what they are putting out. Check out their Instagram and all that stuff as well because. Uh, anytime they have a new uh, technology or broadhead, you'll see it there. And I uh, really enjoyed talking with Chris. Just uh, fun, fun conversation and uh, cool stuff talking about broadheads. Um, season is almost here. Um, we're seeing velvet bucks, um, you know, going down in uh, Tennessee and Kentucky and Nebraska and uh, South Carolina. And, of course, uh, they've been hunting for um, over a month down in South Florida. So that's pretty crazy. But uh, we're getting ready to go here in most of the country um, a few more weeks. So super excited about that. Uh, trying to stay up on uh, shooting the bow every day, all that good stuff. And uh, just get everything uh, tuned and ready to go just uh, as well as possible so that uh, you have the most success possible in the woods. So that's the plan. Appreciate Chris coming on. Appreciate you guys listening today. Appreciate Anabolic Grow sponsoring the episode good folks over there check them out and i uh, just want to say good luck to everybody uh, enjoy um, labor day again if you're listening to this on the fifth and uh, hope you got the day off if not i uh, appreciate you working today as well so as always honor god work hard have fun and keep hunting mm-hmm.